Why don't we give that to the Lord this morning? Amen. He's worthy. He's worthy of that. I'm not, but he's worthy of that. Hallelujah. He's worthy of that and so much more and all that we can give unto him. He is worthy of our highest, highest, highest praise. King of kings, Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we are careful to give him all the praise and all the glory this morning. Hallelujah. It is my tremendous privilege and humbling honor to be with you today. But I do feel at home. I do feel at home in the presence of our King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was a great time to meet with some of the men yesterday and spend a a car ride with Brother Carlo as well. And just to get to be with that family of God. And and I want to honor Brother Butcher before I get too far and before I forget. I want to honor the Butcher family and their kindness and their love. And somebody clapped and I think somebody else can add their clap to that clap as well because we are blessed to have a pastor that knows God and knows his word and loves the children of God. We are blessed. Hallelujah. And and I'm sorry if you, if I subject you to some ugliness this morning. I, I didn't get into this thing to be a preacher. I didn't get into this thing to sit on a board. I didn't get into this thing to, to do any of that stuff. I got into this thing because I had a soul that needed saving. And I, I want to be a worshiper of my God. So if I subject you to some ugly worship today, then I apologize at the outset. It'll only take him four or five or six months to fix up all the mess that I make today. <laughs> but our God is an awesome God. And, and I and I knew before I came because I was praying and I was planning as you do or you like to do before you come on the other side of the country. And and God was continuing to direct me in a certain path and down a certain way. But So I had a, had a strong hunch of the way that the Lord, I didn't know the conversations that he's been having with some of you this week. I don't know the weeks that you've been having, but but God loves you enough to send somebody from the other side of the country to share his word with you today, hallelujah, that you might be blessed, hallelujah, you might be strengthened, glory to God, that you might be touched by your heavenly Father in a perfect way that he alone can because he loves you so much. I don't know a whole bunch of your names. And that's a beautiful thing that God is growing his church. It's great to see familiar faces, but it's great to see new faces as well as God is adding to the church daily such as should be saved. So I honor you today. I honor your pastor, his family, Cass, for putting up with me. Thank you. If you've got your Bibles handy today, can I draw your attention to a portion of Scripture that will echo what we have sung about, it will echo what we have been exhorted in, it will echo 
what our God is wanting to say to somebody today. So I don't have your name on the board today. I've not come with your name on the board. As Brother Woodward simply says, I am preaching to you. And I am preaching to me. Because my God loves me as well. I don't know why and I don't know how, but I do know that He does. And I am so thankful for that today. But if you have your Bibles with you, can you please come with me to the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We read in chapter 21 of that book. I want to draw your attention, please, to the first four verses, and then we will jump down to verse 21, the first part of that. And you can keep your finger there. We might come back and forth to this chapter this morning. Greet you on behalf of my wife, family. I send their love and I appreciate them as well. Hallelujah. I echo everything that Brother Butcher has said and I appreciate him. Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1, says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride. Everyone say prepared. Everyone say, I'm ready. I'm not standing ashamed any longer. I know shame, church. I don't stand before you as somebody who's never messed up. I know shame. I know guilt. But he washes me again and again and again. And he brings me close. He draws me near. He gives us the power to stand before Him unashamed. Amen. Hallelujah. Adorned for her husband. Verse 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And here it is in verse 4, church. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. We sang about that today. There shall be no more death. We sang about that today. I'm not caught on this record. There shall be no more death. And we sang about it today. It's in your Bible, church. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. And that's the crux of my message this morning. For the former things are passed away. And then down in verse 21, the first part of that says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. Everyone said that's a big pearl. Hallelujah. Can you... Lift yours with me one more time as we pray for this moment. Hallelujah. Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for what you have done already, Lord. I thank you for the teaching that has come forth. I thank you for the worship that has poured forth. I thank you for the tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I thank you for the exhortation, Lord God. And I thank you, O God, that you alone sit upon your throne. And so, Lord, your word is already anointed. So we invite you, Lord God, to anoint this vessel of clay. And Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, Lord Jesus, that you might be glorified in this house and in these tabernacles today, in these temples today, Lord Jesus. Be glorified. 
And we pray this in the name of Jesus and the church said, Praise God. See, from the outside looking in, we, we can judge one another, can't we? We put on a mask, we put on a facade, and thank God for people like Sister Kim, Brother Butcher, who will bring us back to earth and bring us back to reality. <laughs> I think they call it keeping us grounded. Is that the right terminology? But I thank God that, you know, if you take a little peek behind the facade, you take a little peek behind the externals, that it doesn't take long to see that your neighbor and me and everybody, we're all the same in that context in that we are, we are in need of the mercy of God to be poured out upon our souls, upon our lives, upon our families, upon our everything. We are simply nothing without Him. We are nothing without Him. We are dust, we are dirt, we are there. We are all of those things. But He, he chooses, as our brother said, to use cracked pots. He, he chooses to use imperfect vessels because that's the only type He has at His disposal <laughs> is imperfect vessels. And from the outside looking in, we can think somebody's never had a bad day always had it all together, never mixes up, never makes a mistake. They think, well, it's easy for him or it's easy for her. But we need the mighty hand and the mighty touch of God. You see, because we all will in this thing that we call life, we all will, we all have, we all do experience something called pain. We will know sorrow we will suffer loss. I don't start every message with this, but when I was born, I was born with a physical disability. It was minor, that's true. And it didn't take a whole lot of uh, surgery to correct that. But it's so long ago now that those hospital visits and those corrective surgeries are, are gone from my memory. And those of you who know that probably could have happened a fortnight ago and it'd be gone from my memory, but <laughs> nonetheless, those, uh, those things are gone from my memory and yet to this day I still bear the scars of those things. And the scars of life are often so much more than just physical. The scars of life and the wounds of life and the hurts of life transcend the physical. I give you an example at school, and this is many, many moons ago now, but I was, you know, I played sport and I had friends at school and friends at sport and that sort of thing. And you might have said I was, you know, quote unquote popular, whatever that means. You know, I was liked, I wasn't bullied any more than anybody else was back at those times. And so on the outside looking in, you can say, well, they're liked, they're popular, they've got it all together, they come from a good family, all of that sort of stuff. But on the inside of this vessel... I, I was lonely. I, w I was empty. I, w I was desperately lonely. And so there was a, a vessel, another perhaps imperfect vessel that, you know, went to a youth camp one time and came here back and told me about all the fun stuff and the good times that were happening at youth camp. And, and in the middle of that, God was getting a hold of my soul and just saying, come a little closer, son. Come a little closer. Because there was a, there was a pulling in that soul. There was a pulling in that heart that said, Oh, maybe this is what you've been looking for. Maybe this is that 
which was prophesied of the prophet Joel. And then it was a period of time after that that I discovered that the, the solution to my problem, if you please, was and is Jesus Christ. And then I'd come to church and we had a great teaching pastor and, and I learned some stuff along life's journey and it wasn't too long where I learned about this thing called prayer. I didn't know what prayer was, but I heard that if I prayed, he'd answer. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> but again, you know, I, I, had, I had eye disease. You know? It's all about I, I, I. It's all about me, me, me. And so I, I prayed to the Lord that he would make me quote unquote normal whatever that is. Because Paul said, you know, I sought the Lord, but, but like Paul, the Lord gave me the same response and he said that my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you, son. My grace, as a matter of fact, is more than enough. It's more than you'll ever need. It's more than you'll ever exhaust. My grace is more than enough. So he chose not to take away that thorn in my flesh. And I don't say this today for some sort of competition because as I said already, we all will, we all do, we all have. And if we haven't already, it will come something that is called pain in this life that we have. On top of that, the Bible says that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short. So again, that makes me just like you as a beggar, as ashamed, in need of the gift of God's grace, His mercy, and His favor. And although His favor is unmerited and undeserved, it is also unconditional and unlimited. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful for that, that my God is an unlimited God. C.S. Lewis said that Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So with the help of the Lord this morning, would you allow me to dial into that voice today? Allow me to dial you into his voice today. And I don't know if we've got a slide, Brother Daniel, up the back there. I don't have my glasses on, so I'm, 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 I'm hoping it's you, Brother Daniel, up the back, and I'm not calling you names or something like that. I think Brother Smokey's a little bit over there, so I can... <laughs> I don't know how, if we have a slide, but Luke twenty-two thirty-one says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, he's speaking to Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Verse 32 says, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. And we heard today that our pastor has prayed for you. Hallelujah. He's intervened. He's interceded. He's gone to war with the words that he's used. He's come to battle and he's come to fight on your behalf that he might come in because Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you is what 
the Lord said to Peter is what our pastor said to us this morning. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Jesus is saying here, I will fight for you and I will win. Hallelujah. That's not negotiable, church. That's not, that's not optional. Praise God. I will fight for you and I will win is what Jesus is saying. But if you like me, read that scripture and at first, I don't know if you can make these images out. That This is actually the sifting of wheat. You know, when I read that the first time, I thought sifting was this next slide. Thanks, Brother Daniel. I thought that was sifting. You know, a little bit of a here and a, you know, it's like, oh, Satan, stop pouring icing sugar on me. You know? <laughs> That's what I thought sifting was. A little bit of a, little bit of a flower shower or something like that. And I don't know if this next image is going to, I don't think it's going to be very clear, but in some of its obscurity, it's all even more powerful. This is what sifting was. This is what we read about when we read about sifting. When we read Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. This is the sifting that we're talking about. So if you're, please don't raise your hands today. But if you've had a tough week, if you've had a tough month, if you've had a tough year, maybe you've gone through the sifter a little bit. Maybe you're feeling a bit bashed up because that's the sort of sifting that the Bible is talking about. So with the help of the Lord this morning, please, uh, just come with me. You know, you know, you're not going to upset me if you come to this altar. You're not going to upset me if you stand and worship your God. You're not going to upset me if you give glory and honor to your God this morning. I know we like to have things decent and in order. I know. But when God steps in and when God moves and when He makes a difference, church, then I just need to be a worshiper of my God. So you take your liberty in the house of the Lord this morning. This shifting is not gentle, it is not a careful dusting, but it is brutal and it is violent. Revelation 21.10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven. The Lord was showing John, it's not always going to be the same. It's going to be different, John, to what it is now. Sometimes we go through phases of life and periods of life where we think it's just going to be the same tomorrow. You know, we've got plans, we've got that, and that's all good. That is all necessary. But there is a time when God steps in, where God intervenes and says, well, that was true for you yesterday, son, but I'm going to shift it up a gear. I'm going to move it up a gear. Something's going to shift. Something's going to change. It's not always going to be the same. Sister Kim, you didn't always live in Canberra. Maybe there were times in Townsville when you thought, well, it's going to be the same every day, every day, every week, every week. But all of a sudden, God moves. And He doesn't have to move you to the other side of the country. He doesn't have to move you to the other side of the planet. He can move you from first to second. He can move you from second to third. He can do all of those things. And I'm showing my age right there, aren't I, brother? Well, you know, there's a manual cars. What's that? God is going to do great things for His people. Amen. God is going to do great things for His church. But as we read in 21, it says, verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. That is a big pearl. So with the help of our King this morning, please allow me to preach to you for just a moment about pearls, about 
priceless pain. Pearls, priceless pain. Let me balance that again because we know and we heard it already that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. We heard it already this morning that there is no weapon that is formed against you that shall prosper. You might get sifted. You might get bashed up. You might get bruised, but it's not going to prosper over you. Amen. Hallelujah. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. That's what your Bible says, and that's what my Bible says. We said it on Friday night. We're in a battleship, not a cruise ship. You want to sit on the throne? you got to kill the, the, the giants that David killed to sit on David's throne. There's a process to be going through. There's some stuff that we've got to get through in this thing called life. And God never promised that he was going to explain it all to you. I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble there, but God never promised that he was going to lay it all out for you in a, in a font that you could easily absorb. Sometimes he, he allows us to go into things and sometimes he pushes us into things. You can read about that in your Bible. You know, I think it was uh, Brother Emery. He's like, he's not sure what Bible we're reading. You know, maybe we just read the pretty Bible. But, but he reads that one. And some of that's ugly. We love the first part of Hebrews 11, don't we? It's all, yes. And then we get to the second part. We, oh, I don't want to play anymore. It just got ugly all of a sudden. You can take that and read it yourself. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And Paul wrote to the Galatians, and twice he said this in the book of Galatians, that I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. And maybe you're aware of this previously, but can I just illustrate something to you this morning? That if I I don't have a great pain threshold I am a wimp okay some of you people are much 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 stronger than I am but if I had a pain threshold that was able to tolerate that I could drive a nail through my feet into a cross and then somehow I was flexible enough to be able to stretch out another hand and drive a nail through that hand I'm still not crucified, am I? To get me crucified, I need others. I need others to be crucified. Paul said it twice in the book of Galatians, I am crucified with Christ and yet I live. Sometimes hurts come from others. Sometimes wounds come from others. But Jesus stood on the threshold of his crucifixion where Judas came to him and betrayed him with a kiss. And what did Jesus call Judas at that time? Friend. I wish I had that much Holy Ghost. I wish I had that much patience. I wish I had that much. I think some of my flesh was going to do some of that rising up that you told us about, Pastor. 
Jesus called him friend. I wish I had that grace. But it was through that process, it was through that moment, it was through that time that these actions brought about that glorious resurrection power. And church today, you've heard it, you've lived it, you've experienced. If you want to step out of this flesh into that resurrection power, it is going to hurt you like you might never want to be hurt before. It might wound you like you never wanted to be wounded before. But is that opposition that will elevate you to that place and that situation that God is trying to bring you into. And it will hurt and it will take struggle. But it would happen no other way, and we would get there no other way except for the struggle, because it is in the struggle that we are building strength as well. Not of ourselves, amen? We're reliant upon Him, but in the midst of the storm, we're learning some things along the journey. We're building some resistance. We're building some resilience. We're building some muscles in that opposition that comes our way. Job wrote it this way. He said in Job 23 and 10, he says, He knows the way that I take, but when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's what Job wrote. In 1 Samuel 2, 6 through 10, the Bible says this, that the Lord kills and he makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. Listen to these words, or you can turn it up if you're there. First Samuel 2, 8. Pardon me. It says, He raises up the poor out of the dust, and He lifts up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. Hallelujah. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and He has set the world upon them. Verse 9. He will keep the feet of His saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength, Shall no man prevail? We spoke about that leaders on Friday night. It's not about my strength. It's not about my ability. By strength shall no man prevail. But the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. That's what your Bible and mine says. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're not, your adversaries are not sitting in the pew in front of you. Your adversaries, I'm sorry to tell somebody, your adversaries not even your pastor. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm sorry, that's not your adversary. Your adversary is that spiritual wickedness in high places against principalities, against powers. And they shall be broken to pieces, is what our Bible tells us. And he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The Lord brings down, the Lord brings up. He makes poor, he makes rich. He gives us strength and he will make a way. But you and I might still have to wade through a bit of junk on the way. And you look at me and you say, well, that's just not fair. And I agree with you. Nobody said it would be. And nobody promises that it will be. Calvary wasn't fair. Calvary wasn't fair. But I'll flip that on its head. 
as we read already, and I've shared it with you already, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So his grace that he pours out on me, that's not fair either. I don't deserve his mercy that he willingly gives me, that he willingly pours out upon me. That's not fair either. But I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for his mercy. I am thankful for his grace. Praise God. Quickly, Brother Daniel, show me a slide. This is... This is a pearl. Brother Daniel is going to bring up a picture of a pearl. We think we know what a pearl is. We understand how a pearl is formed. That's what we probably expect to look like as a pearl, right? But exactly right, Brother Daniel. You can bring them up anytime, mate. Just go through them. That's fine. Does anyone know what that is? That's the world's biggest pearl. It was found by a poor Filipino fisherman. Any, any Filipinos in the house today? <laughs> Praise God. They've estimated the value of that thing. That, there's another slide a bit further on. That, that thing weighs 34 kilograms. Some people put, you know, pearls in jewelry and imagine carrying around a 34 kilo pearl on a necklace or something. You need an industrial chain to be holding that one up. <laughs> 34 kilos they've estimated you don't you can't put a value on that thing but they've estimated the value of that at 130 million Australian dollars <coughs> I, I love this aspect to it the poor Filipino fisherman who is keeping it he might have d- done something differently with it now but he was keeping it as a good luck charm <laughs> better than a rabbit's foot (laughs) but he was keeping it as a good luck charm this pearl of great price that's 130 million Australian dollars worth of pearl of great price and we know how a pearl is formed don't we an irritation gets into a shellfish a bit of grit or a bit of sand, or a bit of just muck gets in there, and that beast, it takes a, a soothing balm, essentially, and it pours the oil of healing, if you please. It pours healing upon that irritation. It pours uh, a, a salve, if you please, upon that grit and upon that muck, and it does it over and over and over and over again. And over time, layer upon layer of pearl is built up and built up and built up. And in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that darkness, God is doing a work in that darkness to bring something beautiful out into the light. There is absolutely zero value in that pearl for the oyster. There is zero value in that pearl for the shellfish, except it might take away a little bit of the pain. It might soothe a little bit of the pain. It might wash over some of that hurt. And the Bible says, Give not that which is holy unto dogs, and neither cast ye your pearls before swine. Church of the living God, he sees you as pearls of great price. Young people, he sees you as pearls of great price. 
Don't go casting your pearls before swine. Don't go throwing them out there for those that will trample them under pigs, underfoot, I'm sorry. Casting them before pigs. People who are no good for us. Relationships that might seem attractive for a time but are not based and planted in the will of God. I don't have time to take you to the book of Ruth this morning, but you can read about that in the book of Ruth where Elimelech, Elimelech means my God is king. Let me get that right. Elimelech means my God is king. He pursued after Naomi, whose name means pleasure. But Elimelech and Naomi, they left the house of bread and they left the house of praise to go and find a meal. He left the house of bread to get some bread. That doesn't make sense, does it? He left the house of bread to get bread. Something's not adding up there, Elimelech. And when he went out chasing a meal, when he went out chasing prosperity for his family, when he went out chasing a better life for his family, he found death, he found famine, he found hurt, and he found loss. And it wasn't until a time later when they said, I've got to get back to the house of bread. I've got to get back to where I belong. There's too much stuff out here. I've left what I needed to pursue that which I thought I wanted. But in my pursuit, I found famine. I found death. And I found loss. Church, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to stand here before you today and pretend that there is no pleasure in sin. The Bible even says that there is for a season. But at the end of that season, maybe like Samson, we will find ourselves a blind and a powerless slave. At the end of that season, maybe we'll find ourselves in that same pig pen like that prodigal. I believe it was Brother Emery that said, at any cost, heaven is going to be mighty affordable. At any cost, heaven is going to be amazingly affordable. And you don't have to, young people, maybe I'll I'll talk to you for just a sec. You don't have to go out in the world to get yourself a good testimony. The greatest testimony of all is that my God is a keeper. My God is a keeping God. My God is is a protector. My God. So church, this irritation that we might be experiencing in our life this pain that might be required to take us to that next level another man wrote and said filter your pain through the brevity of this life and the unending beauty of the next I know it's out of our comfort zones I know it's something that we wish we could just click our fingers and fix in the natural I know that it hurts But God needs to raise it from the dead to perform a supernatural work in us, church. God needs to be that one that is doing the work in us. And then we read in his word, and thou shalt glorify me. We read it before. Hallelujah. How are we going to get to that stage unless we get through some junk? How are we going to get through there unless he 
proves us. How are we going to be like Job when he said that he has tried me and he has brought me forth? That was tried us as silver is tried. That was brought us into the net and laid affliction upon our loins. That was caused men to ride over our heads and we went through fire and we went through water. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. Psalm 66 says that fire has not come to destroy you. It's come to refine you. Hallelujah. That water has not come to drown you and take you out. That water has come to wash you clean and to refresh you and to restore you in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Somebody hear me today. Don't despise the circumstance that you find yourself in. Don't despise the situation that you find yourself in today. Because God is doing a work. He's, he's preparing a way to bring you through and to bring you out. Hallelujah. To refine you. You might feel like you're going through the fire or the water, but he's working on you. He's ordained it and he's going to bring you up when nothing else could have, when nothing else can. He's transforming your test into a testimony. He's transforming your trouble, hallelujah, into a testimony. And this is the pearl that is forming. Because that pearl is not forming in ideal situations. That pearl is not forming in ideal circumstances. It's forming in a struggle. It's forming in a dark. It's forming in, a, in an irritation that it just cannot get rid of. It is cannot... It, cannot be fixed it is beyond its control but in the midst of the struggle God is building God is working and God is making something that is priceless in you priceless but in the midst of that there's no harm in us saying oh Lord let me see your purpose in this pain Oh, Lord, let me learn the lesson in this moment. Lord, I might be seeing it as a wound, but Jesus, you might be using it to anchor us to you. We had an image on the slide earlier about being anchored unto him. And Jesus dealt with all of the stuff that he had to deal with in the same way as that oyster or that shellfish deals with that irritation. He poured that balm upon her. He poured that healing upon her. He poured grace upon her. He poured love upon her. He poured truth upon it. And built and built and built and built something that was not appreciated by the vessel, but was adored by others. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. What is literally a pain in your guts? What is literally a pain in your guts? God is preparing something priceless. God is building something perfect. For you, it is intolerable. For you, it is unbearable. But Jesus is transforming your trouble into a gateway for somebody else. And I don't want to embarrass anyone. I don't want to pick on anyone. But how come you're still smiling, brother? How come you're still rejoicing, sister? How come, how come you've still got a smile on your face and the spirit of the living God in your heart? How come you've still got a dance in your soul? You might have been through some junk. You might have been through some hurt. You might have 
been through some pain, but you're worshipping God anyway. You're praising God anyway. You're glorifying God anyway. Not everything that happened to you was fair. Not everything that happened to us was fair. But I'm going to praise Him anyhow. I'm going to glorify Him again. I'm going to worship Him again today. Because my God is worthy of my praise. And He alone is worthy of my praise. You can stand with me this morning, church. Let me, let me draw this to a close, but stand with me today. And maybe if the, the singers want to come and the music team want to come. <coughs> and guess what happens when all of a sudden you realize that you're walking around and you're priceless? Somebody else might notice that you're priceless. The enemy will definitely notice that you're priceless because John 10 and 10 says, the thief, he wants to steal that priceless thing. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's not satisfied with stealing your joy. He's not satisfied with killing your flesh. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy everything that has gone on before. He wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come. This is Jesus. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. He came. To give you and me life. And life more abundant. That thief will come to steal. But Jesus is come to bring us life. Abundant life. Now. We heard it taught this morning. Now. Not someday in the future. Now. We have passed, the Bible says, from death unto life. We've gone through that door. We've passed from death unto life now. There is coming a day. Yes, there is. That trump of God shall sound. Yes, it shall. But in the meantime, church, I'm not ignorant of the pearl that he's growing inside of me. I'm not unaware of that pearl that is growing in that, in that vessel. I'm appreciating the goodness and the greatness and the glory of my God now. I'm appreciating what He is forming in us. I, I might be hurting. I, I might be hurting like I never wanted to be hurt. But He's building a pearl in me. And He's building a pearl in you. And He's building a pearl in us. Hallelujah. Not that they come and they say, Oh, Pastor, you never had a trouble. You never had a trial. It's easy for you, but God's building that pearl. God is designing it. God is playing it out. God is laying it out. And church, hallelujah, just like we read about in the book of Revelation, He's making that a gateway to usher others in from the outside to the inside. 